Hi there, I'm Jason. And I'm Joseph. And this is the Infinity Cast, where we spill the tea on Marvel and pop culture. This week we're discussing Moon Knight Season 1, Episode 2, Summon the Suit. So let's get into it with the recap. After being fired for seemingly damaging the museum, Stephen uses the keycard to find the storage facility containing the scarab. The man in the mirror tells him that his name is Mark Spector, another identity living in the same body. He's an American mercenary and the current avatar of the Egyptian moon god Khonshu. Mark tries to convince Stephen to let him resume control of their body, but Stephen refuses and flees. He is confronted by Mark's wife, Layla, who is unaware of Stephen's existence, before being arrested by police officers that work for Arthur Harrow. Harrow reveals that he was Khonshu's previous avatar until he chose to follow Amit instead, and he seeks to find the scarab to find her tomb and resurrect her so that she can purge humanity of evil. Layla rescues Stephen, but Harrow summons another jackal monster to pursue them. Stephen manages to summon a magical suit similar to Mark's and fights the jackal, but is overpowered and eventually allows Mark to take control. Mark kills the jackal, but loses the scarab to Harrow. Khonshu angrily confronts Mark, who promises to find Amit's tomb before Harrow does. Khonshu threatens to claim Layla as his next avatar, should Mark fail, before sending him to Egypt. Do you feel bad for Steve? Like in this episode, not in general, not overall, not big picture stuff. Do you feel bad for Steve in this episode? Yeah, I have, I've got some sympathy for him. I don't have a lot of sympathy for him. He's kind of a narc. He's kind of like that nerdy, you know, played by the book, scared, like weak, kind of pathetic loser narc. I kind of agree with Khonshu. He is a pathetic little parasite. So like... I just want to bitch slap him the way like Mark probably wants to bitch slap him the entire episode. And that's not bad. I don't hate Steve. I'm not nitpicking the episode. I actually, I'm loving the fact that I want to bitch slap Steve so much because he's playing it so well. You know, he's playing that sad, pathetic tool so well. But like, my God, I felt bad for everybody else. Like everyone else. You know, Layla, totally feel bad for her. Mark, my God. Even Khonshu, I totally feel bad for. The street performer, <laughs> who's just like, dude, I'm trying to work here. Like, this is London. There's a billion other statues you can talk to for as long as you want. They won't bother you. They're not trying to get tips. Just shut up and go talk to them. Go prattle on to somebody else. Ah, I just, that I feel bad for that guy a lot. Now, hey. Stephen Stephen may pour his heart out to the statue man, but he encourages other people to tip, brings him pralines. I think I think Stephen and him have a pretty solid relationship. That being said, I don't know. I I I feel for Stephen, who is uh probably slowly on the path to discovering that he's not a real person. No, he no, but he is a real person. He's just not the com- a complete person. He's on his way to realizing that he is not the main persona. No, he is not the main persona. Mark is the main persona. And Mark is struggling so hard to deal with all of this. I don't feel bad for Khonshu at all because Khonshu's a fucking dick. No, Khonshu is a complete dick. He is completely. Like, I, I feel bad for Mark more than anyone else when it comes to it. I just feel bad that Khonshu's trying to, like, you know has a mission and that mission is being impaired by a moron. Yeah. Kanchu loses all points for me because I, I think that, I think I really like the twist that he, his, he's basically threatening Mark with choosing Layla as his next avatar. I think that's, I think that's a really interesting twist, man. What a manipulative dickhead. 
He is he is extremely manipulative, and he's constantly pushing that over Martin. Like, well, you do this for me, so I don't get her, right? Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And he's like, oh, come on. But going back to Steven for a second, I love how British he is and how British the show is. Like, I, I, I love that aspect of the show. I'm so glad that they moved this show to England because it... it in the comics, he's just another New York superhero. Mm-hmm. We don't need another New York superhero. New York doesn't need another superhero. New York is fine. New York should be fine by now. No one should ever go near New York. They are good. They are good. You got Spider-Man. You got Daredevil. You got Hawkeye there on vacation. You got Kate Bishop. You got um, whoever the Avengers are left in town. I'm sure just assuming that we are going to get like the... Not the Defenders themselves, but like the Defender cast back. We still probably have Jessica Jones there. So there's enough people in New York taking care of it. Stephen Strange, Wong, they're all hanging out. Yeah, they're all hanging out. Strange, Wong. The only people that, the city that needs it most are the city that just lost the majority of its heroes, which is the Eternals, and that's London. Also, I thought it was kind of interesting uh, that it seems like they're playing it, that some of Stephen's personality is like based on what Mark knows about Layla. As if Mark's subconscious and his experiences with Layla has inspired uh, Stephen's hobbies and interests. You know, like, as you said, you know, speaking Egyptian and the French, all those things. Those interests that Layla has, deep subconsciously, that Mark is aware of it, has become so part of, so part of Stephen. You know, Mark's dreams have become Stephen's reality. Oh, that's a really good way of putting it. Layla, by the way, is... A badass. I really like her character. Yeah, Layla really hit the mark for me. Especially with the way she like keeps trying to like bring, you know, like the reality that she's aware of back, but she's just so not aware of Steven and what his limitations are that she just keeps fumbling all that. Especially going in like guns blazing into the into the cult and being like, haha, summon the suit, ready? No, not ready. Not not ready at all. What what were you talking about? You know, it's like oh, you, it was a bad move, and you should have probably left the the scarab at home. And she also shows her soft side, like when Stephen just has like a breakdown. She's like, okay, okay, we'll figure out another way. And I was like, oh, that's I kind of love that. So yeah, kudos. Like she's not exactly one for one based on a character from the comics. Like I think she's based on like his love interest from the comics who had a different name and then like maybe another character, but a plus good job. Yeah. I dig her. I'm, I'm real. I feel sorry for her. And, and obviously she's trying to deal with and understand like who Mark is and Mark is just trying to protect her. Mark loves her obviously. And you know, the divorce is just his attempt to like push her away to keep her safe from all the craziness and insanity. But that's, that's just how it be sometimes. And she's going to get herself involved in this whole mess. And I feel like that she and Steven are going to have like a little bit of a, of a friendship thing built over time. She's, they're going to have to get to know each other. I'm really looking forward to how that goes. Um, you know, with him being so sad and pathetic, like he is like a little puppy dog and, you know, hopefully she'll, he'll get some pets, not, not in, not in a weird way, just, you know, little pats on the head. You know, he deserves a couple pats on the head. Maybe a weird way. Maybe. I mean, I don't think he deserves it in a weird way. He really just deserves a pat in the head. I do kind of wonder though, Mark, I know he's trying to get a divorce from her, but I kind of am starting to wonder if he's the one that made that date for Steven or not. I think so. I think he's, I, my theory is that he's trying to throw Steven a bone. 
Maybe, but I will say that it, it seems kind of bad planning on his part that he scheduled a date for when he also had a mission. Maybe. I mean, there is um, a potential third personality coming around. Is that what you're saying? In the comics, he's got several alternate personalities. It's not just Steven. So we will see if there if that one comes to bear. We have Mr. Knight. We did get introductions of Mr. Knight, so we may get more personalities as they pop up. Which, by the way, I I love what they're doing with that version of the suit. Like, it's just kind of like Steven messing up getting the, the Moon Knight suit. So he's just in a suit. What? It's like, it's a suit. You told me to get the suit. Here's the suit, right? That's what you wanted. It's like, no. It's not Psycho Colonel Sanders. No, no, it's not. But okay. I thought it looked very cool. It's very dapper. I mean, like he, it, and and it just reminds me of a, of a white Deadpool, though, the way he's dressed. Yes, yes, I agree. Especially the eyes. Yes, very much the eyes. I loved the British fisticuffs, like when he is like preparing to fight the jackal. He's like, I got this, I got this. Smack, ha ha ha. Boom, goodbye. Sorry, you're not, you're not, you're not good at this, man. You need to get better at this part of the job. Okay, Aaron Davis. <laughs> Poor, pathetic, passive-aggressive Stephen. I'm hoping he learned, he does learn to stand up for himself. That, that Mark and Layla have that effect on him as we go through. I think he already is kind of, like, getting a little bit of self-confidence because it took, it kind of took balls to call, like, the cult out on the whole child-killing thing, like, while you're surrounded by them. I, I get granted, it did take a little balls to, like, do it there at that point in time, but he didn't have a place to cower away to. You know, I mean, like he he has been calling someone out. He's a he's a narc. He like he's like he's gonna call someone out and things he thinks is wrong. He was calling Mark out. He's like, oh, I'm just I'm gonna go get myself committed so I can't hurt anybody. You know, he is a good guy inside, but he's like that that kid who's like spent way too much time being a Boy Scout that he like he's ratting on you and telling the entire community you smoked a cigarette. You know, because he thinks he's doing a good job. So, like, in this case, yes, it was a little ballsy, but not outside his personality. He is going to call somebody out, even if it's, like, the stupidest thing he could ever do, which is what he did when he was picking up that bag of illegal stuff and taking it to the actual police. Like, dude, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. Don't do it. Don't, and you're doing it. It's the same personality trait. Oh, and then the police came to him, and they were fake police. Yes. But that jacket, though, that, that, that girl's jacket. Oh, I love that jacket so much. And what did you think was going to happen? Like, he deserves it. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, no one believes you. No one will ever believe you. Even if they were real police, that's pretty much how it was going to go. It was not going to go well at all for anyone. He was either going to get committed or arrested for life. Instead of ending up in jail, he ended up in an evil magician's man cave. <laughs> <laughs> but what a man cave, though. I mean, that place looks amazing. All it needs is a big screen TV. He was kind of selling me on this whole cult lifestyle up until the child murdering thing. I mean, he's basically, so this is the, this is the thing. He's basically doing pre-crime. This is, that's, that's what it is. This is minority report, but Egyptian. So I, I understand his logic and he's playing. It's such an amazing self-righteous leader. It's scary. And he's so chill and kind and reasonable and soft. And like he's, Ethan Hawke is just being amazing with it all. But like, he's just, it's, it's, it's pre-crime. That's it. So like, I get it. I get the logic behind it. But one thing that pre-crime and this, the people never talk about is like, well, if you're aware of the future, yeah, you could stomp out evil by killing it, but you could also re-educate it. 
There's a third option that no one ever brings up in this philosophical narrative. You educate the child. You make him go a different way. It's Deadpool 2 all over again. Just give him an option. Deadpool 2 is literally the only thing that like took that concept and ran with it. <sighs> so Ethan Hawke needs to watch Deadpool 2. That's the bottom line here. I also just kind of think that it's sort of a facade. Like at the very end when he gets that scarab from that hobo, like he's like, oh, I'll give you money or whatever you want. I just need that. And then like he just kills the guy. Like, no, it is, of course, a facade. He's evil. And whatever reason he hates um, Khonshu, like whatever, whatever situation that happened between them and that made him be so angry about it. Like, I want to know that. And I'm sure we're going to get it. But like. He's angry and he's just playing a nice guy. You know, we all know those people who play their their stuff all nice and charming, but really they're an asshole. He's a quote unquote nice guy. Yeah, he's a quote unquote nice guy. It's like, but he's really just an asshole. He's evil. He's manipulative. You know, cult leaders always are. You know, he's playing it so perfectly. But I really can't wait to hear about the the details involving that storyline. Yeah, I really I think I thought it was an interesting twist that he is like the former avatar. I really want us to get some Ethan Hawke flashback Moon Knight. Oh, me too. So much. So much. Uh, question. Did that Kane vibe you Power Stone a little too much? Yeah, well, I was going to say it. it the, the magic certainly reminded me of like the Power Stone and like Dark Dimension type magic. Yeah, I mean, like up until that hole formed, it was completely the Power Stone to me. Like... The sound it made, the color, the vibrations, the way it, the way it cracked between all the stones, all that was power stone. And then all of a sudden, it created like an, an interdimensional portal to uh, the the underworld, and that became a something else. Like okay, but it still was so much a visual, like throwback to the power stone that I wonder if it's related or if they'll ever mention it that way. But we'll see. Yeah, I'm kind of curious how like the Egyptian gods fit in with the universe that we that we've already established yeah we've established as guardians we've established like magicians and sorcerers all these things so we're going to eventually get vampires and we're getting this like ancient egyptian god race so who are they what is their race what is their deal within the mcu i hope we get a you know exposition class of how they fit in realistically with the world and they don't we're not just expected to like take it on face value it's like no they're egyptian gods like oh okay yeah could we get like an org chart <laughs> yeah something like that i will say Konshu, kind of a dick but man that character design is fucking really cool looking no when we were watching him um you know through the uh, storage center scene it just the lighting on it was so impressive so beautiful. I love Conchu. Yes, bit of a dick. And that voice, his voice is so well cast. So well cast. F. Murray Abram, thank you so much. You're doing so well. I, I loved you in Star Trek Insurrection, but I love you even more here. Like, damn, you're perfect. Do we think that Conchu broke Mark's mind, or do we think that it was already kind of broken and he just took advantage of it? I think I think it was it was already broken. The way the way it felt like it happened, I think Mark got, got made a deal. And Conchu was like, yeah, but you kind of have this thing going on. And Mark's like, no, 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 I can handle it. Don't worry about it. And up until now, it's been handled. But now something's going on. And 
you know, Stevens being a bit of a whiny little bitch. I think it was already like that. And I think that was part of the deal, the way Conchu talked about it. Like you said, this wouldn't be a problem. And him saying it wouldn't be a problem if he had caused it, I don't think it would have been phrased that way. Yeah, just something something to chew on. I think in the comics, uh, Stephen Grant is like, I think Mark remembers him as like a childhood friend, but he was actually, it was his like imaginary friend essentially. And then that be kind of, that kind of became later on a split personality. So I kind of wonder if that's where they're going. I hope so. Cause I, I just, I find that fascinating. Hmm. And I mean, I love the way they're doing the whole um, personality stuff in general. Like it's, it's so brilliant. I'm enjoying all the reflections, all the conversations, all of it. The fact that Steven is this pathetic loser who at the end of the day earned his time out. Then once Mark has it all figured out, then Stephen can come out and be like, okay, I understand now. And then he can read his French poetry and get a goldfish that lives more than a week. You know, I really hope that Mark fed the new goldfish before he left. (laughs) Oops. So I read an article that Oscar Isaac is only slated and contractually obligated to be in this season. So if there's a season two, he would be have to renegotiate or the, no, no other future appearances in the MCU. That's it. It's 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 one shot deal right now, right? Is that what's going on? Yeah. So I had read the same thing, and and to be honest, I, I kind of get it because a- after being in Star Wars, the sequels, like where they didn't bother actually giving him any real like good storylines, and he was like locked into those movies. I, I kind of understand why maybe he'd only want to sign on for for one project at a time. And that being said, he seems to really like the character. And overall, I think everyone is agreeing that Oscar Isaac is nailing this. So he's going to be back, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping. I hope that it's not like typical Hollywood shit. From the perspective you brought up, I completely agree. I mean, like, Poe Dameron, I I think, if I recall, was originally supposed to die in episode seven in the first place. And then they're like, no, you're cool. We're going to keep you alive. But then we don't really have a story for you. So... Maybe you'll have a couple good one-liners and that's about it. And you're kind of scene setting, but so is everybody else. We don't really have main characters in this sequel series. Also, stop talking about Star Wars so much because this isn't a Star Wars podcast. We're talking about Marvel. Yes, but any chance I can to bitch on the sequel series, I will take. Okay, bye. I mean, we talk about both on this podcast, so it's it's all, it's all relevant. Yeah, bottom line is Oscar Isaac is shining here, um, is given a good, solid, meaty role. And I hope that he takes this opportunity to like realize that. And if there's story here and if they're planning a season two, or if there is a season two, or, or if they want to lock him into like things where he crosses over with other Marvel characters down the line, I hope he, he does the right thing and allows it to happen without being like, I want $60 billion. I don't think he's like that, but I don't know. Hollywood is weird. I don't think he's like that either. I think, I think, this is him being cautious because he's been burned by being locked into sequels. And that I can understand completely. And the only other thing that I really had uh, in my notes, uh, we finally got a little bit of connective tissue with the rest of the MCU. We got, and as I suspected, it's, it was literally just an ad for the global repatriation council. Yep. So now you know what era this, this takes place in. Same era as the rest of the phase four stuff, essentially. Yeah. So that's it. That's where we're at. And we officially know that this is the Marvel Universe. There's been no mention of, like, Iron Man or the Avengers or anything yet, though, in the background. Which I'm kind of, you know, usually, like, there's at least one. Yeah, even in, even in the Netflix shows. Yeah, just something where they just mention, like, oh, you know, I saw Captain America over there once. You know, something like that. 
yeah but for now i'm actually pretty pleased with how self-contained it is because i think it's i don't know i this i think the show so far stands on its own pretty well oh it does it does it, it's its own thing and i'm loving every minute of it i know um i mean we could talk about ranking at the end of the day and i know a lot of my friends are saying this is their favorite of all the disney plus shows so far um to me it's 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 i gotta obviously i gotta wait for it to finish i'm enjoying it as much as i enjoyed loki so that's saying something um i have a hard time comparing a lot of these shows because they're all such different beasts yeah i would agree with that um i think so far it's pretty strong but i would i'm gonna wait till the end of this of the season to announce my true feelings yeah, on but it. it is really freaking strong it's it's brilliantly strong like I'm, I'm so impressed with it and everyone involved. So I cannot wait. Now that we're in Egypt, I can't wait to see what they did with that. So, stay tuned next week for pyramids or pyramid schemes. I would definitely dress like Mr. Knight if I was at the top of a pyramid scheme. I mean, you can dress like Mr. Knight and be at the bottom of the pyramid scheme at the end of the day because Stephen is the kind of person who would be at the bottom of a pyramid scheme. And that's how he dresses when he imagines him superhero self. So there you go. All right. So make sure to like, subscribe, and please tell your friends. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at InfinityCast, spelled infinite A cast. And you can email us at infinitycast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Jason. And I'm Joseph. And we'll see you guys next week.